we talk a lot about token economics and economic design. And the fact is, none of this is really absolutely new. The most prominent application of the design of um, token economics or just the design of econ economic design is really in video games and esports, where they have their own currency in a simulated economy. So the difference in the blockchain world is that it's slightly more real. You have a secondary market, people can speculate. People don't have to work hard in the primary market. You don't have to work hard to be, you know, creating um, a world or playing the games or whatever. You can just buy them in the secondary market and participate in the ecosystem in the primary market. So it's, it's slightly different, but the, the whole idea, the concept, the fundamentals are the same. So that, that is really the, the, one of the first use cases of, or one of the first application of economic design. So what is economic design? It's really an attempt to, sim to simulate an economy. And when we're sim simulating an economy, we're also simulating the economics of this economy. So you have a lot of people making decisions, transacting with each other, working together, and interacting on a very large scale. The goal of economic design is to build a very, to build a stable, self-governing or self-sustaining economy, at least in a primary market. So when you have buyers and sellers, you have people um, in Minecraft or in Fortnite where people are just doing some stuff, you have an economy that runs on its own where people are interacting with each other. So today's the first episode of this podcast series called Economic Design. So, and in this series, we will be talking about how to design virtual economy, chat about various case studies, and to run interview, interview series with designers of virtual economies. And in this first chapter, or in this first episode, we are going to look at economic design of a simulated world. This is a video game, a new video game called Planet Zoo. And if you love video games, and if you love video games that require you to plan, to work, to manage, you will love this. So just a quick introduction to Planet Zoo so that I can give you an understanding of what it is and then we can dive into the economics part, okay? So this podcast, we'll be talking about economic design of digital systems and it can be blockchain, it can be blockchain token-based, it can be frequent flyer digital points or just virtual currencies in digital games. Planet Zoo is a new game by Frontier. It's, an, it's a UK-based company and as it suggests, it is a world where you build zoos and people come and visit the zoo. Planet Zoo, right? Everyone's business is just building a zoo and visitors will come. It's a management game on how do you design and manage a zoo and what, what does it include in a zoo. So a zoo will be, you know, breeding animals, buying animals, infrastructure of a zoo, the kind of um, services provider like um, admission tickets, donation, um, your different food stores, your different uh, gift shops, all these are part of part of your system. So you want to know how to make profits, how to have positive cash flow. When the economy is up or down, how do you manage all that? When it rains, what should you do? Kind of stuff. Okay. So in this episode, we're going to cover um, first is the general idea of what Planet Zoo is, how the economics is designed, what is the result of that? You know, what's the outcome of this design? Understanding the the mechanism design of it and understanding what are the ways that we can improve the, the existing design. Because every design has a way to improve or there are gaps to improve. Okay, so playing a zoo is very, very simple, okay? You just design a zoo and you have limited budget, which is cash. And with this limited cash, you're supposed to build a basic infrastructure and architecture layout. And then when you're done with the layout, you go and, you go and buy animals. You can buy animals with cash or you can buy animals with a, a, 
a virtual currency that's really within um, planet. So it's called conserv- conservation credits. It's just called CC. So you have two types of currencies there. You have CC and you have cash. So when you are when you're done with the architecture of the zoo, you go and buy animals. You can buy them with CC or cash, and then you populate the zoo. When there are animals in the zoo, people will just come and visit the zoo. People come and visit. You get money. You get cash money, and that's how you increase money. Now you're wondering. Okay, so there is cash. There is CC. The way to get cash is to build zoo and get more people to come. What about CC? So that's a good question. So you can purchase. How do you use CC and how? Where does CC come from? First, you purchase animals on the animals market, animal marketplace. The animal marketplace is like an an exchange. People have animals. They sell it. You can just go there and buy it. It's like uh, just any other trading platforms or exchange. To buy animals and to purchase animals, you can either use cash or you can use CC. So CCs is only given by the game itself. So it's either given by the game or you can trade it with uh, when you're buying and selling animals. So there are a few ways to generate CC, but the main way is for you to buy animals, breed animals, sell them on a marketplace for CC, or you can sell them back to the game. Selling back the, selling back to the game is called releasing them to the wild. So basically, as long as you have animals, animals have babies. You sell these babies either to other players or back to the game. You get CC. So another way to get uh, another way to price these animals is in cash. So you can get cash on CC. So this is an important thing because we're going to talk a little bit more about it later. And this is a this is basically a dual economy, uh, a dual currency economy, and this leads to very interesting and maybe terrible outcomes in the game. So let's dig into it. That gives you a basic idea of what Planet Zoo is. And the economic design is quite simple. Okay, So before we start, let's understand a little bit more about how the economic is being designed. Planet Zoo doesn't have a secondary market, which is, which is good. That means people, to get additional CC, they can't use real cash and buy them in the secondary market. There is none. So the only way to get CC is to you know, speculate in the primary market or to hoard in a primary market or to make more animals, sell them, and get more CC. There are no other ways to get CC. You have to play the game. So in a very simple idea, you have a, an individual me, and I use cash to build a zoo. When I have that, then I use some cash to buy you know, cheaper animals in the marketplace. I breed them, and when they have little babies, then I sell them for CC. I keep doing that, keep churning, until I have enough CC to buy more exotic animals like on tigers or lions or red pandas or pandas, giraffes, you know, very exotic animals. There's a list, like there's um, an encyclopedia for you to go and look at to see what animals generate the most CC. You can follow that to optimize your zoo. But the, the general idea is that I build a zoo, I the cash, I use some cash to also buy a pair of animals in the market, in the trading, in the marketplace. I breed them, have little babies and sell the babies. And then you have zoo visitors coming in when I have my zoo up and ready, when I have my you know, animals there and all the other stuff, visitors will come. When visitors, visitors come, they give me cash. So that's how I generate more cash. I generate more cash with people coming in and I generate CC by breeding, at, breeding little babies and selling the babies or selling the, old, um, the older animal and get CC. And that's how it works. So because we're talking about you know, economics design, we want to talk a little bit more of the incentive of this economics or this economy, which are your different currencies, right? You've got two currencies. Once again, you've got cash and you have CC. 
You earn cash through visitors, as I mentioned. You earn CC through releasing animals back to the wild. So that's the general idea. And, you know, as, as you can imagine, because there's, it's a marketplace where you have sellers and buyers. All of them are real players in, in the Planet Zoo. And the more scarce your animals, the higher price is. But the other thing also is that the more scarce the resource, the more difficult it is to buy the animals. So that's one of the, the that's probably the main problem that is apparent in the Planet Zoo. But we'll go into that later. But think about it when, as I'm speaking, as you think about what does it mean when, when my resource to buy things is scarce? What is the impact to the people? Because you can get cash by building the zoo, getting people in, but you can't just build the zoo and get CC. You know, the only way to get CC is through, is through breeding animals. Or that's the main way to get CC, through breeding animals. And it takes time to breed animals and it's, CC becomes quite scarce. And as CC becomes quite scarce, things are inflated. You need more CC to buy an animal and it takes even longer time to collect enough CC to buy animals. So just think about the impact of how the economy is when your resource of exchange is scarce. Okay. So before we, we talk about that, let's talk a little bit more about how, how you get all these um, tokens or all these cash on CC. So to earn, let's talk about how to earn cash and how to earn CC. Um, what I talked about was the general idea, but there are other ways to earn them too. Let's start with cash. Okay. How to earn cash. So we talked about zoo emission. You know, when people come to visit the zoo, they need to pay. Zoo is not free. So they, they pay for it with zoo emission. And it's fixed. It's pretty fixed. I mean, you can change it. You also have, you can build gift shops and food stores where people can be purchasing. Um, of course, this also generates an expense because to operate all of these, you need an expense. There is an ongoing operational expense. So that's something you need to consider if it's, um, if it breaks, even if it makes profit for you. The other one is you can sell animals, as I mentioned. Instead of selling them for CC in the marketplace, you can sell animals in um, cash. So you can do that. And you can, other ways also include donation. So the more, the healthier and happier the animals are, you know, you take care of them, you feed them, you have a vet, you make sure that they're not sick, they're happy, they have friends. You know, you don't want one giraffe alone, you want a giraffe with a giraffe friend so that they can hang out together as giraffe bodies. So the happier the animals, the more donation is, is given. And donation will be the biggest part of where um, profit or where cash will be coming in. And you also have a guest education rating. So if the guests are more educated, they will be giving, they'll be donating more. So, you know, these are very simple matrix to follow. Basically, you just have me to have like educational signs and it's just assumed that people will read it and people will be more educated and people will be donating more and paying more. And lastly, if you need money, you can always borrow. So there is a, there is a, there is like a, a loan kind of thing in the system itself where you can borrow cash and then you have to pay, pay back with interest. So that's just some general ways to be getting cash. Now, what about getting CC? CC is the, the other currency that's in the game. And the main way to get, to get it, or the main way most people are getting it is through animals. You, you have an animal marketplace and then you sell and trade with each other. Usually you do that in CC. And obviously, you know, when you're breeding a very rare endangered species, you get, you can price it higher with more CC. Um, 
The other way is to remember I said that you can sell you can sell the animals back to the game, or you, or they call it releasing the animals to the wild. So you can get you can do that with a guaranteed profit. So the the game will always buy these animals back from you with a specific CC. So it really depends if your animal is super endangered. You think that people will want a lot of people will want it and you know kind of wait for your for your animals. For your animal, then you put it on the marketplace and you know see the price increase a little bit and you can sell it for higher price. If it's a really a random animal like um a peahen or something. Or you know, just I think ostrich is quite a common animal, and they are they're not really worth anything in the marketplace. You can just sell them back to the game. But what does it mean? The fact that you're selling back to the game means that it's gone. It's no longer available. Whereas things that are available are only from the marketplace because you can only buy from the marketplace, or you can breed and have new babies. But that's it. You can't buy it from the game. You have to buy it from the marketplace or breeding. So by selling it back to the game, it means that there are less of these. Animals available in the market. So obviously, you don't want to be selling the very endangered species. You want to be selling, you know, more of the common species, so you don't crowd the entire marketplace with the same animal. And the other way, the last way that I think not many people know about is that you got to say hi to your guests. If you say hi to your guests, um, you actually get some CC by the by the game itself. So this is like an additional bonus point. Although you can only get a limit. A limited amount of CC per day when you say hi to people, but still you get some CC, right? Then you collate all these CC to you have enough money to go and buy the bigger ticket items. So yeah, let's talk about the idea of how this works, the reality of how this works, and what is the outcome. So the idea is that、um, a new a new player comes in, in in business mood, yeah. And a new player comes in. I have no CC, and but I have a little bit of cash, so. I build my my thing. I build my zoo, and with a little bit of cash, I buy an animal pair. I let's say、um, two ostriches, a male and a female, and I allow them to breed. And I've got little baby ostrich. Then I sell them back to the game, get some CC, and I keep running this program until I've enough CC. I buy a cooler animal, allow them to breed, and、um, sell them in a marketplace for higher CC. And you can imagine how the cycle goes. Yeah.、Um, Just keep breeding, selling bags, selling in the marketplace.、Um, just keep earning more. The time also passes very fa- quite fast in the game, so you don't have to wait for a very long time for them to breed. So. so that's the idea. It's a very good idea, you know, very simple idea, very very good、um, way the economics works. Now, what about reality? Reality is slightly different. So the reality is that it's a lot easier to make money than to make CC, right? To make money is simple. You just make the zoo. Have a couple, of, just just a few animals. You know, basic animals. Yeah, people will not love it so much, but people will still come and and donate and give you money and, and make,、uh, go to your zoo, and you can make money. And that is a lot faster than making CC, which means you have to allow animals to breed, allow them to grow, allow then put them for sale. So, what does that mean? That means that CC becomes very, very, very scarce. It becomes a very precious. Resource and people will, will want CC because you can't get CC anywhere. You can get cash very easily, but CC is scarce. So people always want scarce resource, right? So they want more CC. What does that mean? That means that in the marketplace, you can choose to sell either cash or CC. What happens? People stop selling in cash. People only sell in CC. And what does? It's a vicious cycle after that. 
because even for just random animals, people because people want CC to buy very endangered animals, so they sell all the the common animals for cash uh, for CC. And now you can't use cash to buy animals because everybody wants CC. What does that mean? It means that you. It means that everyone everyone's only selling things for CC, and now you're stuck because you only have cash. You need to buy animals. You can only use CC to buy animals. You don't have any CC. And so you just buy very shitty animals for, for cash. They can't breed. You can't have babies. Your, your zoo dies because your zoo doesn't have new animals. Your zoo can't be breeding new animals as well. Can't buy new animals. And then the game fails because you can't get any new animals. The animals are the only reason why you know, your, your zoo is um, bustling with activities and people are coming. So... What, that's the reality. And what is the outcome? The outcome is that nobody is selling, no, nobody is selling the animals for cash. And CC has a huge premium. So those who, those who have um, very good animals, like very endangered animals, prestigious animals, animals with very high ratings, they are hoarding CC. And they're hoarding the animals and selling all these animals at super inflated sums. Why? Because there's a massive premium to it. And when something is Critically demanded, there's very little supply, there's a massive premium. Prices increase, there's inflation to the prices. So now you need to have a lot of CC just to buy um, a panda, for instance. Let's say you need um, 10,000 CC to buy a panda, when usually the game, the, the general idea of the game, is that maybe you just need 2,000. And now you have to spend 10,000 CC to buy a panda. So that, that inflation is called a, a premium, because the asset is very rare. So when we talk about assets being rare, you know, there are two types. One is the thing, the thing for sale, you know, the tiger or the panda or whatever, that's rare, true. So that's why there's an inflation in price and so there's a premium to it. But the other thing that's also rare is the currency itself to buy things. You know, CC is made to be quite rare. It's quite difficult to get. Otherwise, it's a very easy game. Now, people want to keep CC so they can buy very interesting or very special animals. And because of that, animals be, special animals will be priced even higher, and it's just a vicious cycle. So now, because of that, prices keep soaring, keep inflating, keep getting super expensive, and it becomes almost impossible to get all these very unique and special animals. And there is nothing, that's number one. Number two is that there's nothing on sale for cash, because everyone wants CC, there's a premium to CC, so people want to price things in CC, they can collect CC. So there's nothing to be nothing uh, on sale in cash, and and what happens then? What happens in that is that all these very unique animals are super expensive, out of touch, and everything. Now, what is available? What is available are are warhawks, um, peacocks, and ostrich. If I'm not wrong, these three animals are like the lowest of the lowest cluster. It's super cheap. Nobody really wants them, but they are cheap to produce. They they breed very easily. You can sell them very quickly. So if you can buy these animals, you know, you can have the little babies and then you sell them back to the game. So you get CC and you keep doing that. You keep collecting CC, right? The thing is now these animals um, are priced in CC as well. So you can't even get started with your game. And, you know, this is where you know, there's a liquidity crisis where there's your asset is not liquid enough for people to be trading, for people to be using. You know, everyone is keeping CC because CC is such a rare resource. So no one is using it. And 
And what happens is that the only way is, as I mentioned, to get all the very low, low range animals. And sometimes you can get them for a price in cash. Then you just quickly buy them because they disappear. Everyone wants to buy them and you keep producing them. Okay. So that's just one problem, right? There's, um, you can't buy the right animals and, and you can only buy, you know, the very cheap animals and they're quite expensive or they're sick. They can't really breed and that kind of stuff. What happens next? The next thing that's, um, scenario one. Scenario two, what happens after is that every zoo is thinking about the same concept because it's just one trading platform for all the, all the players in Planet Zoo. And now every zoo is producing the same thing. Every zoo only has three animals, the warhawks, the peacocks, and the ostrich. Why? Because these are the only things, these are the cheapest, these are abundant everywhere. So these are, these are sold for cash or these are slightly cheaper to buy. And they breed quite fast, so you can be selling them back. You can be selling the babies for CC back to the game. So at the end, all the anim- all the zoos right now are just filled with these three animals, and this is not really very good because as you have more of these animals, you put them in the marketplace, and now the marketplace you have, the zoo is flooded with the same animals. The marketplace is also flooded with the same animals. It means that when you have oversupply, what happens? Prices fall. That means you don't get enough as much CC or, or cash when you're selling all these little babies. That means you have to produce even more. And, and when you produce even more, your zoo will be even more crowded with the same animals. The exchange will be even more crowded with the same animals, which drives prices down even further. And that's the outcome. The outcome is this negative vicious cycle of, of all of these negative stuff that's happening. You know, you, you need, you have a lot of supply. That's why prices drop and you have to produce even more to get you know a little bit extra in, in money so you can be buying better animals. And then because you increase in supply, the prices drop even more and the cycle just keeps continuing. So what the what the game tried to do is that they tried to to have more animals that's paid in cash into their own into their own uh, market presence, but it was still not enough to change things. You know, things were still going quite bad and the vicious cycle still continued. So there are there are a few people you know who said that oh I was the first uh, I joined the game quite early I've got a lot of like lions and tigers and special deers and I can I will be selling them at this time so um, on a forum and, and people will just buy them and so you try someone trying to um, ease the situation on their own basis so that those are some existing kind of like solutions that's happening right now because the problem is existing right now. So in this, in this uh, simulated economy, so, so that's the, the situation right now, yeah? So let's talk a little bit more about the, this simulated economy. How does this economy work? First, you have expense, income. So we talk about expenses, we talk about income, we talk about the market, and we talk about the marketplace, which is something we've really talked about. So the expenses, where does the expenses come from? So you have the fixed cost, which is building the zoo itself, the infrastructure, you know, the towels, the zoo, the cages and everything the food store, the, the infrastructure itself. That's a fixed cost. That's something that you have to pay. That's an expense. And then you have an operating cost. So, you know, stuff to upkeep with the ongoing operations of the business. So you have your staff salary, you have your vet, you have your pet food, um, medication. You have the ongoing um, cost of running a food store or running a gift shop, all these ongoing stuff. So it, it could be power, wages, animal food, um, these kind of real-life expenses anyway. And you also have an expense when you're buying animals, you know, 
when you're breeding them because we are babies and then you have to feed the babies. Um, you buy them via the marketplace, so that's an expense. And the other expense, kind of like expense, or it's when animals die. They die of old age or they die of starvation. There is kind of like an expense because you, you lose one of your reven- avenues to get money. Because when there's less animals, people don't want to donate as much. So that's an expense. Now, where does your income come from? <clears throat> your income comes from donation. That's the most amount of, of income. The happier animals are, the more people will donate. Your admission fee, fees, your um, food and gift shops, and the selling of animals. So why do we have to sell animals? So the important thing is that the animals can't interbreed. Just like humans and you know animals in real life, you don't want them to interbreed because you will get this very weak species that fall sick often, they can't live too long, and a lot of different problems. So you don't want to interbreed them. So every time you have a little baby, you know, maybe you sell one of the, maybe you sell the parent to get new parents from the other zoo, you know, or you can sell the babies so that the babies can mate with another, another baby and they will not be producing um, kind of like interbreed, interbreed animals because that's not good. And that also reduces the value of the animal when it's being interbreed. So that's why you want to sell animals and then you can also get um, money or CC from there. Now the market also is it, there is no no there is no like oracle that that says when the market goes up or goes down but the, the market fluctuates so there will be a couple of months where your profit is down you know they show that your profit is not doing good and because the economy is bad and then some months the profit goes up saying that the economy is good and you're generating more money so you know make sure that you know you don't have too much downs and you have a little bit more ups just like in real world so the market fluctuates quite quite a bit. And this gives the U.S. because this is a management game, right? So how do you manage your zoo in the various kind of economic um, or market situations or business cycles? So that's run by the the code itself or the, the game itself. And lastly, you have the so all these are more or less you know done by the game. The thing that's a little bit more free that that people can't really the game doesn't really control is the marketplace. So the marketplace is where buyers or Different zoos come and trade their, their products or their, not products, their animals. And prices can get super high and inflated because um, either CC is rare or the animal itself is rare. So this is something that's a bit more, a bit more open market, a bit more free, depending on the, the people and traders in the game. Okay, so that's the general idea. Now let's dig a little deeper because the, at the end of the day, this, this is on economic design, right? There's so much that we can learn about economics, but we want to understand how to design it. And one of the one of the most or most exciting things about about economics design is the design of mechanisms. Or uh, sometimes we call them rules of the game. You know, what are the incentive mechanisms? How do you govern your your game? Or how do you govern this ecosystem of this um, economy to make sure that people play within the rules? To make sure that people trade with each other and they're not. You're working together to towards something. And the something is usually having more exotic animals, having more money, um, generating more CC and stuff like that. So if that's the objective that we want each, you know, each zoo to have, what kind of rules there needs to be in place? What kind of incentives, um, mechanisms need to be, need to be in place? So we call this mechanism design. And in, in the research that I do, I divide them into three segments. So mechanism design is really the rules of game. And when we look at rules of game, we look at three different segments. The first one is governance. So in governance, we want to understand um, 
how decision making is made, how resolution is being done. So you know how how things are being governed in general. The second what the second we're looking at is non financial incentives. So things like reputation, things like how do you allocate a um, new token or new assets to people. You know all these kind of incentives that's not really super financially related. And lastly, we talk about structure. How these how the internal economy is being structured, how the rules are being structured. So this would be stuff like bargaining, how prices are determined, and other community information. So other other information that comes from a secondary market or things that's not from within the primary market. So sounds complicated. Don't worry. Let's break it down. So remember three things: governance, non-financial incentives, and structure. So let's start with governance. Governance is we want to look at decision making and resolution. In decision making. How how people make decisions? How how does how does the the game itself govern all the decisions that is being made? So, example, what are example of decisions being made? The first one will be, you know, can I build can I build my can I build my game this way? Can I build the road this way? Can I can I build um the land this way and that way? So, these are decisions that you as the as the game player have to decide. And who governs the actions that you make? You know, can I build? Can I build a tree on top of a tree on top of a tree? You're technically not supposed to do that, but how do we know? So these are governed by code, and the code will say that oh, you can do this, you can't do that. You can't build a tree on top of a lake because that doesn't make sense, and the code knows that, and the code limits that. So the code, your decision making is is limited by in construction. Um, through all these code that say that you can't build it that way, or it can be in alert form. So, for example, if you're building, if you're building um, a pathway, for instance, from um, point A to point B, and you have a very easy route to get there, but for some reason you want to make it super long route and people will take forever to go there to point B, then there there can be a lot that says that oh this is a very long route and people will get bored and um, maybe you should change your your layout, so that helps with decision making. So that's so you have governance in code. So that it's already encoded in the game, and it kind of limits the kind of things that you can do. It really wants to promote um, good behavior or good design, and not just random design that you are just making people go everywhere, hate the zoo, and all these visitors will stop visiting your zoo. That's not what they want to do. The other thing is resolution. So in governance, one of the re- resolution is where you know when something. Um, that happens. How is it? How it is being resolved? So there is this um, there is relentless positive message that keeps popping up when you're playing the game, and it will keep encouraging you to do good behaviors. So, for instance, um, okay, as I mentioned again, from point A to point B, you have a very simple route, but for some reasons, you you want people to keep going in circles to point B. And when people you know walk halfway and they're very tired, and then there will be a message that pops up. You know, that's a problem, right? The resolution mechanism is where there's a message that pops up and says and say that, oh, this is uh, it's too long. People are too tired. Maybe they want to have a shelter or maybe they want to have more entertainment there or maybe there needs to be a different route for people to take. So there are small positive messaging to try and resolve that. Another resolution is that when there's problems coming up, so example of problems could be um, you have very small space for a, a giraffe. Or a panda, okay? Panda, pandas are very scarce, very difficult to get pandas. So you you have a small space for a panda, 
and Panda needs a friend, and Panda needs to move around. So the, the system doesn't, doesn't say that. The system doesn't say, oh, you need a bigger space. The system will limit the amount of, as the limit the amount of um, enclosure of the Panda. So it can be too small. It's just physically not possible to build them. But if you build the smallest possible um, cage, you put one Panda in, then you will have visitors coming in and protesting. Protesters are not good. They take revenues away. And this is one of the ways to encourage good behaviors, you know, through this kind of resolution mechanisms, which is automation of, you know, you get protesters coming in that are governed by code and protesting against um, bad behavior, which is keeping all these animals in or keeping the panda in a very small enclosure and the panda is very sad and the panda is not happy. So that's one of the governance or one of the resolution mechanisms. The other one is... Uh, the other pillar or the other segment is non-financial incentives. So for, for that, we have our reputation and allocation. For reputation, we're looking at a few elements. The first one is uh, the first one is you know, the type of animals in the in the zoo, the, the number of animals, the variety of animals, the welfare of the animals. Are they happy? Are they appealing? The happier people are, you know, the, the higher reputation or the happier animals are, the, the more reputation the zoo gets. You have conservation rating. So uh, how often do you release animals into the wild? How often do you renew animals? Do you have enough recycling bin? Do you use renewable energies? Do you do you, you know, have more encouraging signs to tell people to take care of animals? These, also, these help with reputation. So they're basically signboards. Put a signboard up or put the recycle bins there and you get points. You have education rating as well. So having... More research, having a researcher in the, in the, in the zoo helps you to, helps to boost the education rating, which boosts your reputation. Having, um, having more education signs, educating, uh, the, the zoo, anim, uh, zoo people, uh, or like zoo visitors and having, um, encyclopedias around about the animals and stuff like that. Then you have marketing campaigns. When you're doing very good marketing, your reputation goes up. And lastly, you have your guest happiness. So the, the happiness of the guests is, is really governed by the, the code in the game. And, you know, where they see more, more animals, they see happy animals, more variety, more um, good animals that has, has babies, or breeding, are active in the space, then your guest happiness goes up. And that increases the reputation of the zoo. So those are ways to up your reputation. But what about down your reputation? That's where protesters come, come in. And I said, protesters are people, you know, when you build your zoo to be really small, you have very small space, very small enclosure, and you only have one animal there. That's not very good for, for business. So these protesters will come in to protest, and they'll be very noisy, you know, carrying your protester signs and prevent other people from enjoying the zoo. So that, that means your, your guest happiness goes down, and your reputation goes down. They also can be removed from the zoo. So this is Part of, part of your resolution mechanism where they can't be removed from the zoo. They would just be staying there and protesting and protesting and protesting. And they will not leave. They will cause your paying guests to leave. And so this, this will drop your, your reputation will decrease and the money given will also decrease. Which, which brings us to our next point on allocation. How do we allocate, um, sometimes we call them tokens or, or virtual currencies. How do we allocate all these virtual currencies? which are, you know, how do you allocate cash money to, to how does the, the visitors know how to allocate? Because visitors are part of the game 
how does the game know how to allocate money to your different zoots? So number one is by reputation. When your guests are happier, they give you you allocated more cash, so you get more money. You also have um, and all these zoo visits are encoded with you know kind of some rules to play by. If animals are well kept, if the the queue is short, if there's food and drinks available, if there is shelter when it's too hot, when the animals are happy, when there's a vet around, when the animal is sick, when the pathway is short enough. You know, all these are, are codable behavioral preferences and they're encoded into the zoo visitors. And these zoo visitors will decide whether the zoo is good or not or interesting or not to go to. And if it's very interesting, you are allocated more cash because more people will be going there. And another way of allocation is donation. So when the, the animal is happy and then you're allocated more donation, allocated more cash. So non-financial incentive is, is where you have reputation, things to boost your reputation, and other you know, kind of coded behavioral preferences of the visitors to increase your allocation or increase the you getting more cash. And lastly, structure. Structure, we talk about bargaining structure and we talk about community information. So in bargaining structure, how are prices determined? As I mentioned, you have the expenses and income, which is more or less set by the game. You can set for your income, for example, you know, the prices of food, prices of gifts, you can set them a little bit. So when it rains, you price umbrellas a bit higher to boost your profits. So you can set that, you as a person to set the prices. That's um, that's a one-way one price, a one-way bargaining mechanism. So I just set the price and this is determined to buy or not, depending on how they're coded. The other way is, the other way prices exist is in the trading place. So the, the animal marketplace. When I have new babies, then I can put them on the market, new animal babies, I can put them on the marketplace and they can be trading. These prices are dynamic. They're, they are determined by how much demand there is in the space and or how much demand it is by other animals. So for example, you can put a gazelle, um, like this year thing. And when you put it up, you can put the specific price, but maybe people are bidding, everyone wants it, and the price shoots up super high. So these prices are dynamic, and these prices reflect the demand of the players in this primary market. So that's how one of the bargaining structures. So two types of bargaining structure. One is a fixed price, where I fix prices of umbrellas when it's raining. The other one is dynamic, where I put my little um, new elephant baby or new panda baby on the marketplace, and people will be auctioning and trading and stuff like that. The other part of structure is where you get information from. So we call that community information. So information from outside of, of the primary market. So that means you know, the primary market will be all these different zoos and trading traders come together to exchange in the, the animal marketplace. But information outside of that. So there isn't much information in this. There isn't much community information in this structure. Community information is stuff like oracles. Um, you know, maybe the real world is experiencing a crisis and that translates to Planet Zoo itself. That could be something, but it doesn't work like that. Um, Planet Zoo is still very contained in the primary market and you it has automate it automates the various economic markets or economic cycles, like Buster Who is governed by Code. So that's the that's the mechan that's the general mechanism design of of um Planet Zoo, which is very interesting and I think it's it's um it's designed well, but the problem is that prices are too high because CC is very rare. And because CC is so rare, it's 
people want to keep more CC and CC becomes inflated if there's a premium to use CC and then everything is very high. And so there are no options to buy fairly priced animals. All the animals are inflated. And the second problem is that uh, um, the trading of animals. I told you that there are only warhawks, um, ostrich, and peahen. It's not peahen. It's actually the Indian pea fowl. So there are only three animals available on the marketplace because they are easy to breed, very cheap, and breeds very fast. And so people keep breeding them, hoping to earn more CC. But because it, the market is oversaturated with these animals, you have to breed even more to get some CC because each CC, um, the price of each animal drops. So you need to breed more to get more prices, to get more of the CC. And then it's just a vicious cycle. So that's, that's, um, that, those are the two biggest problems. So the, the fact that it's, it's easier to get, make money than to get CC causes very, very high inflation on an, special animals. Because special animals are rare. You have to use CC to buy them, which is double rare. So when you add double rare together, there is huge inflation in special animals. And the li liquidity crisis is when you have, you have this very specific kind of offsprings that's available. You have warhawks, ostrich, and Indian peafowl. And so their value drops. And you need to bring even more to get uh, some amount of, of value. And that causes value to drop even more. So that's, that's where there's a liquidity trap. You know, you have to breed more, but every time you breed more, prices drop and you can never get enough to buy more endangered species. So at the end, what happens? At the end, this cycle keeps continuing and you only have three animals available in the marketplace and in the zoos. So it's, it's not a good cycle. It's like having a market with only, having a zoo with only one, one dog, one breed of dog in the zoo. It's a shit zoo. So at the end, so there are only three species that exist. The value keeps going lower. You need to breed even more, and it's just a bad cycle. Okay. And what happens? Um, the the animals. The, the thing is, and the thing is that that exists when you know you're more of a, a little bit more novice when you have set up your zoo and you can actually afford these animals. But if you are if you're starting as a new player. You will have to spend forever trying to find animals that's cheap enough that you can afford because everything is, is priced in CC. You don't have any CC available, you have very little CC available, and you can't really buy these animals, and you can't start, you can't even join this liquidity crisis program or process. Mm -hmm. So that's that's one of the a problem. And um yes. So what are some what are some um, options to consider? What are some ways to improve this system? That's our last section, and then we're ending. So things to make them right. So for some considerations, the first one is looking at the exchange. You know, I I didn't I didn't I couldn't really find how to figure out what's the auction mechanism. But if that could be clearer, that would be good. Other, otherwise, we can look at new types of auction mechanisms. So, for example, we can look at um, people will be auctioning the prices and and the amount that will be sold to the user, to whoever. Um, we, we just use different kind of auction mechanisms. So, something that Google AdWords use is second price um, auction mechanism, which is a lot more, it's a lot fairer to users or like players because it re reflects the true value a lot more. So, that's one way to counter the super inflated value. 
The second one is um, not so much economics, but the, the game structure is that there needs to be there needs to be kind of like a, a database of all these genes of animals. So, for example, when you buy an animal, you can you're given a big data a uh, big family tree, and you can buy a different animal to make sure that the family trees don't match. Because if they're going to be limited pandas, and you you have two pandas, and you want to buy a new panda so that they don't interbreed, then this panda might be the long lost cousin of your other panda, and in the end, it it will be interbreeding. And that's not good because it you can only resell them in the marketplace for a very low amount or they die very easily. So there needs to be a database to encode all the genes or the family tree of these animals to prevent interbreeding. Um, blockchain or not, doesn't matter. You just need to have a proper um, database or tracking to ensure that they are not interbreeding, which can be in a form of that family tree, which is very helpful. Or you can, you know, that could be something in a tab when you are in the, the marketplace to be filtering animals that have the specific kind of family tree and there could be other forms of rewards as well because right now the rewards are in cc and in cash and cash is where people are coming in and cc is when you're selling the animals so there can be other forms of rewards because right now what other what people are doing is that um it's it's very it's very optimized towards getting an outcome which is not bad i mean games are designed that way right the, the outcome is to have very special animals you want to get as much cash as possible, as much CC as possible, and in the end, you just get you just buy all these cheap animals. You know, three the three and the three species that's uh, cheap to cheap to grow them, uh, breed quite fast, and you can get CC. So in the end, the zoo just becomes three animals, but the rewards are still the same because the rewards, the allocation mechanism, the reputation mechanism doesn't include so much of. How carefully curated the animals are, you know, are the habit, habitat um, designed in a very specific way? There's a specific theme to it. Like maybe it's a, it's a Chinese theme for pandas and it's going to be a like, safari theme for, for zebras. So the different kind of themes or visual, visual satisfaction can add cash or add rewards to these, anim- uh, to these zoos. So there it's not included. And what can be included with that, because machines can't really do that. So one of the very important things in mechanism design, the rules of game, is that rules have to be dynamic as well. There's a set of rules that's fixed, and there's a set of rules that's a little bit more dynamic, uses a little bit more human approach or human input. And so the, the machine part will be, you know, your, all your reputation that we talked about just now, and all these vis- zoo visitors that are, encoded, that are coded by the game come in and it'll give you donations and stuff like that. Then you, you also have human governance. Where does human governance come in? You have all these zoos, right? And these zoos are live zoos. So if I have a zoo and you have a zoo, I can visit your zoo. And this is where human governance can come in, where I can be rating your zoo. I can be um, giving voting for your zoo. There can be a voting, voting competition to vote for which zoo is the most aesthetically pleasing and or which zoo has, has like the, the most um, cura- best curated animals. Um, or maybe it's a specific theme, it's just an Asian zoo. So all the Asian animals are there. So it's like a, a form of curated zoo. And that could add additional rewards into, into the system. So those are just some, some ideas and examples of how can we simulate a better economy, better kind of design for this um, digital economy. And that's, that really concludes our first episode of Economics Design Podcast. And in the next episodes, we will continue speaking more on how do we design 
virtual economy, how do we look at the incentives? Incentives will be the tokens or the virtual currencies to simulate or simulate this, this economy and understanding the economics or the outcome of the simulation. Until then, I will speak soon. Bye.